Welcome to this week's episode of Inside Eagle News, where we will dive into everything FGCU. If this is your first time listening, I'm Addie, the Assignment and Features Editor for Eagle News. And I'm Tori, Eagle Media's Executive Editor. And I'm Abby, the Eagle News Editor-in-Chief. As usual, we have a lot of news to talk about since our last show. It's always a busy time for the team here at Eagle News. This week, we welcome our third guest, Professor Cribbs, Assistant Professor and Program Coordinator of Journalism. To start the conversation, we're going to ask Professor Cribbs a few questions about his journalism experience. So, how did you get involved with journalism? Let me rewind the time machine. Um, I was a mass comm major in uh, undergrad, and then um, as graduation approached, I completely did not realize that I was going to be having to work after college. It just never really dawned on me. <laughs> so um, about a week before graduation in undergrad, um, I met with my advisor, and he said, so what do you have going on after graduation? I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. He, he's like, well, you're graduating like in a week. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. So I decided because I liked school and I wanted to learn more about like specific topics, I would go to grad school. So I went to Miami University for, to get my master's. And there I started doing like more um, audio video stuff and more like a writing and just kind of getting into like conveying and communicating. One of the courses I took there was called Advanced Technology, which you guys would laugh at now because back in the day advanced was like, it has wheels. But, um, <laughs> but um, it was a course designed to teach uh, people how to write for different technology. And it was actually the very beginning of digital technology, digital news, because it was this, um, not to get too down, far down in the weeds on it, but it was this um, digital news system called Teletext, which was really uh, popular overseas. A woman who worked at the BBC came over to help us uh, start it here. And um, uh, they started up in Cincinnati where I... Uh, done grad school near there, Miami uh, University in Oxford, Ohio. So I, so so she wanted us to write news in this digital format because it had to be like a certain number of words. And I find it, it had to be like 90 or 100 words. I found it to be a real challenge to take like, we used to do rip and read from like AP and UPI um, copy and then try and condense it down. And I found it to be a real fun, real fun challenge. And I start getting into the news because we wrote news copy. So she was starting up her venture this digital news venture and she needed writers for it and so she just hired me and two other people from the class to start writing the news for this service and that's how I got my that was my first job and so I just became kind of a news junkie at that point because the AP machine back in the day was not um, digital it was paper paper would come out and like spill on the floor and so every story came out of there and so we would have to like go through the stories and then decide what we wanted to put on the news site, you know, what was more newsworthy. And so I just got really interested in all the different things going on. And ever since then, it was like I just like to tell stories, basically, you know. And so that that was in 1985 or six, and so I've just been kind of doing it ever since. Anything so it was lucky. It was a lot of luck and being in the right place at the right time. But you know, you guys have all heard me say this: being in the right place at the right time is a good thing. But when you're at the right place at the right time, you have to have like the skills to deliver, you know. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's you know the luck is great and the timing is great, but then you also need the skills. And I just I just you know really enjoyed you know just what's going on. You know I'm just really curious about what's going on. Gotcha. So on the flip side of that, a little bit, um, what are your favorite things about teaching? Well, one is watching you guys like progress through the system and, and skill build. 
and this sound this might sound weird, but like when I was your age, I was always worried about like like I got success doing something and I was like, but you know, I've got to keep it up, the success. I, I can't like let off. It's a lot of pressure. I can't I've gotta like do this for so many more years. So any like growth or achievements I got were kind of tempered with I gotta keep it going and I can't like back off and and so when I when I teach and you guys have success, it's like a more pure form of enjoying success because I can see like that you are going to be fine and that everything's going to be fine and, and I'm not involved in the moment like you would be, but I but I still enjoy the success that you have. So it's like I, I get to enjoy the kind of successes of a journalist without being so like directly tied to it, you know, um, just success in its pure form. And then, you know, I, I did it so much, like I did journalism so much that I got to the point when I was a managing editor at Wink News, and I really just liked kind of helping other people do journalism. I got more, to me that was more fun than doing it. Um, Like explaining, you know, kind of how to do it was just more rewarding than doing it. I think I'd done it so much that it was almost kind of like, it was kind of getting a little repetitive, you know, just the um, process. But then teaching young journalists or like working with young journalists was almost like like starting all over again. It was like new and exciting and, you know, fun. And so I, at that time I thought, well, you know, maybe teaching would be something I would really enjoy. And then luckily was able to get a you know, job teaching here. So how did you get into teaching journalism then? Well, that's, that's a fun story, Tori. So I was working at Wink. <laughs> I have stories for everything, as I'm, <laughs> as I'm sure you all know. Um, I was working at Wink. And I had gotten done with my story earlier than I normally did. So I was kind of just like planning out the next few days. I was kind of looking at the other news. My news director came over and said, hey, Cribs, um, we have a tour of FGCU students coming through here. Would you be willing to talk to them since you're done? You know, you have some spare time. Would you be willing to talk to them about journalism and how it works and everything? Well, I said, sure, that sounds fun, you know. So anyway, the tour comes into like our morning meeting room. There's maybe 20 people in there. Well, Lynn Milner, I, uh, you know, you all know Lynn. Lynn, who founded the program here, who was the one who got, got it started. She was one of the people, but I didn't know it at the time. I just thought it was another student. I had no idea it was a <laughs> professor. So, so I'm talking to them, and they're asking questions, you know, and I'm answering the questions. And um, th- it was really enjoyable. I really enjoyed talking to students. And then they left, and that was kind of it. And then Lynn called me a couple weeks later and said, "Hey, I'm a." you know, start trying to start the journalism program here and I'm a professor and I teach these courses and, um, you know, I like the way you interacted with the students. Would you be interested in maybe adjuncting a course here? Because I had a master's degree and I said, yes, I would because I am, you know, kind of enjoying this idea. And she asked me to adjunct the grammar course. Well, my mom is an English teacher, so I was diagramming sentences when I was, I don't know, two weeks old. And <laughs> <laughs> I still remember diagramming sentences. And um, I just really like grammar. To me, it's like puzzles, you know. It's like um, kind of like a kind of a crossword puzzle thing to put grammar together. And she asked if I would uh, teach the grammar course, and so I did. And I just really, really liked it. I liked the students. I like talking about the stuff, you know. And I was like really, um, really happy to get involved. And um, and so when the journal when when Lynn founded the journalism program and there was an opening for a professor, I applied for that job and then got that job. And just been here ever since, which was now 12 years, I think. Wow. What advice would you give to young journalists? Um, 
Well, the first, there, you know, I have so much advice, Addie, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> so much. How long do we have? I mean, um, one, one would be just kind of like be curious about the news. The, the, the best way to do journalism is to kind of just steep yourself in journalism. Like, what's going on? Why are stories written a certain way? Why is this coverage a certain way? What's happening? How are these events covered? Why are they covered certain ways? What's, you know, all the different little, like, uh, subtleties? And then, you know, hopefully from that, like, you'll have a natural, like, curiosity about why things are. So you guys have heard me say in class, one of the things I always say to young journalists is ask why things are. Because anybody can say what. Like, that's a tree. That tree's over there. But, like, why that tree? Why was it planted in that spot? Why that tree? And so, um, you know, sometimes the more you read the news, the more you – have those questions. It's almost like, you know, you, you, you go away with more questions than you had when you started reading it. And so, um, you know, that just to like kind of like um, foster those habits, you know, curiosity and then like steeping yourself in the news. Because as you guys know, th- this is not like a clock in and clock out profession. You're always kind of doing it, you know, like or thinking about it. And for me, it's the same way as teaching. I'll read an article at night. I love my phone because I have all the different news places on there. I don't have to go anywhere. Um, so I'll be reading, I'll be like, oh, that's a great example for media law, the class, you know, class I teach. And I'm like, I'll, I'll put that in Canvas tomorrow so I send it to myself. You know, so, and, and it's fun. Like, I enjoy, like, thinking about that stuff. So it's never been, like, work for me. It's, you know, it's always been, like, something I enjoy doing. You know, there are days I'd rather go to the beach, you know, to be honest. But, um, you know, it, it's, I mean, I've been doing it for like almost 40 years. You know, it's pretty fun, you know. And, and you guys bring such a nice energy to everything, you know, and have interesting perspectives. And I learn, you know, as much from you as you learn from me, just how you see things in this day and age. And so um, uh, it's just something that, um, you know, once you kind of like get into the culture of it, you know, that's the thing when you feel like you're in the culture, which the three of you are, for, you know, for sure. Like I hear, I overhear conversations and you guys are talking that kind of stuff, you know, you know, talking about news and how you're going to cover stuff, you know, just before we started recording, we were talking about some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, that that's the thing is once you kind of like are living that and you want to communicate ideas to the public and you want to be in the center of things and say, here's what's going on, everybody. Because some people can't get to the events that you're talking about. Some people aren't familiar with the subjects you're covering. And that's our job to say, listen, here's what's going on so you can make decisions for you and your family, friends, and stuff. And so, um, you know, once you kind of have, once you're kind of in that, like, realm, that's what I'd, you know, wish for everybody. Because then the work that we do is kind of a byproduct of that as opposed to, like, I must complete an assignment, you know. That's good. Um, So I think we just wanted to hear... You have so many funny stories that you tell from mm-hmm. your own experience in class. Mm-hmm. So do you have any that you'd like to share? Uh, well, uh, yes. Uh, again, uh, <laughs> we can go to like midnight. But um, I just had like there's not one that really springs to mind more so than just like – and I've said, this, I've said this to students for a long time is journalism has afforded me the opportunity to do unusual things that um, other people just don't get to do. And, you know, um, there's no, like, there's no, like, a guarantee that as a journalist you're going to get to do stuff that the regular public doesn't get to do. But there is also the chance you will. So I flew on um, – one of my coolest uh, uh, stories I covered was the Blue Angels were in town. They're the Navy precision flying team. And, and they're like, we need you to 
um, see if you want to do a story on it. And I'm like, I sure do. And they said, well, they let you fly the plane kind of not your, there's not someone else with you. It's, it's not just there you. There is like, someone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not just you like over the skies <laughs> in Southwest Florida. There's a, a real person, you know, pilot. But they give you the controls and they clear out airspace and you, they let you do a couple things. And I thought, I thought that'd be great. So we have to go through like a training thing before that you can get in there. And so, of course, I'm doing that. And that was part of the story. When the training, in the training part, they're like, uh, the guy who, the trainer, he's like, okay, so, you know, you guys are new to flying FA-18s, which, of course, I was. This, <laughs> uh, this is a new thing. He said, you might throw up. Uh, so um, here are some things to think about. Um, there's a little doggy bag off to the side in the compartment. Um, we're going to do some barrel rolls. We're going to pull, like, seven and a half Gs, which <laughs> is a lot. And uh, they don't wear flight suits. They don't, like, have suits that inflate to kind of compress the blood up to the head. They just, like, kind of, you know, um, control it with their um, I wish mind. everyone could mind. see the faces that yeah, are being made. With their mind, <laughs> they control it. And um, he said, you know, but, you know, you, you might black out, and you might get sick and throw up. And he goes, and if you throw up, he goes, simply, if you feel like you're going to simply take the doggy bag out of the side of the compartment, uh, throw up into the bag, and then you, you'll have a little twisty tie. You twist the tie back up, put the bag, the filled bag, in the side of your jumpsuit, and then enjoy the rest of the ride. And I'm like, you know what? If I do that, I am not enjoying the rest of the ride. <laughs> the, the enjoyment ends that moment. And if the ride's one minute or an hour, the, it's not going to be enjoyed. Um, and then he says, okay, so in the case of a malfunction, we're, you're going to have to eject from the cockpit. And the, I guess the, there's little bolts on the cockpit hatch that blow out and you, you get, you know, like propelled away from the craft. He said, sometimes you'll black out during this um, <laughs> because of the forces involved. He said, but you'll come to in the air. So once you come to, you're going to want to pull your ripcord. Now, because of winds and you're not maybe positioned correctly, your uh, the the ties, the big ropes from your parachute might get tangled up in your parachute. If that happens, you simply pull one side to kind of move the ropes to the side of the parachute, and then you move the other side. So the other side gets moved until you kind of work them free, and then the chute will employ. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what, if that happens and that it's tangled, I'm just screaming until I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no I'm simply moving this in a rational manner. I'm screaming until I hit the ground. That's it. Um, so it, so it, luckily none of that happened. I did not throw up, although I was very close. Oh, yeah, I was very close. And, um, and then I, n you know, there were no problems with the flight. When we got out of the flight, the captain was like, his him and he had really nice hair. It was kind of like just like blowing in the breeze, and he, he skips out of the cockpit. Like, like Top Gun. Yeah, he's like, hey, yeah, exactly. He's like, hey, did you like that? And I'm like, I did, and I did like it. But I was drenched in sweat, and like I was like barely able to walk, you know. And all I did was sit there, and I thought, wow, these guys, like, it's amazing the shape you have to be in to, because people think, well, all you do is sit there, but no, no, it was very taxing physically, and um, and then. Uh, you know, people were asking me about it afterward. And I thought, you know, this is one of the perks of being a reporter. You know, like they don't ask civilians to go up very often. It's, you know, very rare. And um, just to have done that. And I, I did fly it for a little while, too, over Sanibel. And um, oh. it was just such an interesting thing. And I thought, you know, to me, this is, I don't, I didn't get into journalism to do this. But it's like, you know, that's so cool, you know. Um, 
I sang with the Beach Boys on stage twice, which was really cool. <laughs> twice? Yeah, yeah, so my my joke is that I technically toured with them, which my family <laughs> denies. And every time I say it, they say, you didn't tour with them. And they, 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 they lay out all the parameters for what touring is. So technically, I, well, I did not tour with them, but, but no, I did No, it's okay. Sing. You can In this room, you can have toured with oh, them. Oh, yeah. thanks, Eddie. I appreciate mm-hmm. that, yeah. So, yeah, so I did. I sang with them at I sang with them at Barber B Man, and then up at um, uh, Charlotte Stadium, up in Charlotte County, where the um, baseball is. Just like for funsies, like they yeah, yeah, they so found we, you, and they're like, "Oh, come with us." Well, so what happened was yeah, so what happened was they they were going to play at Barber B Man, and they they have a tradition of having people sing with them on stage, and so they had uh, written Wink and said, "Do you have a feature report?" I was doing features at the time. Do you have a feature report who would like to? Uh, sing with us on stage and so they asked if I want to do it, and I'm like heck yes because I like the Beach Boys and I know their music and stuff so I did a uh, couple little like preview stories with them and I, I kind of like they were just nice to me they, they were very 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 friendly to me and um, they're like let's rehearse a little dance so when you come up st- on stage we can you know sing they always have the person sing Barbara Ann so Aww. which I knew and I knew the harmony to it and so um <laughs> And so, uh, did you practice at home before you went? Yeah, well, just just here, here's why, Abby, because I had been singing it like my whole life. So I've been practicing since I was like you know 14 years okay. old. You were made yeah. for this. Yeah, I was made for. So I wore my appropriate you know Beach Boys gear, of course, which <laughs> shirt with uh, like you know the uh, Frangipani uh, flowers on there, and then I'm um, sang with them. And then they called again and said, "Hey, we really enjoyed working with that guy. Would um, you be able to have him come up to our other?" Thing this was I don't know I, I, like maybe a year later I, it's hard to remember but up it was up in Charlotte County, and I said sure you know and that one was real fun because it was at night and it was open air, and so the thing I the thing I took from that is that it was fun to do the story, but um, the second time I said listen I can't do another story I just did one you know and they said no this would just kind of be for fun and so I was really excited about that, and the thing though that um, you know from the journalism perspective is, when I was up there with them I was looking out at the crowd. And I thought, it's so weird because I've been in crowds for concerts, but I've never seen, like, what is it like for mm. the performer? And it was just such a weird experience to, and fun experience, but just so, like, surreal almost to see, like, this is what they see every time they go somewhere. Like, there was a big beach ball getting bounced around, and people were jumping up, and, you know. So, so journalism has, um, has afforded me the opportunity to just do cool things that people don't get to do. And so I'm really grateful for that. You know, it's been a really fun career to be able to do that stuff. Yeah, all of that is really cool. Um, I don't know if I would have gotten on that plane uh, after (laughs) all of that. Yeah, there was, I'll tell you, Tori, there were moments I'm like, I I guess I'm really going to do this. (laughs) And, And I was a little bit excited to land. I will say. When, when it landed, I was not like, oh, let's do it again. I was like, oh, okay, that was fun. I'm glad I'm on the ground, though. And, never and doing in, it again. In the, in the end of the piece that I did, I, I came down the plane and laid down on the ground, kissed it, kissed the ground, because I was kind of excited to do that. I think that's what I would have done. I think I would have been glued to the ground, and in order to get me in the plane, they would have had to peel me off the pavement. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. You know, some of these things are, you know, it, it depends on just where you're at. But, um, you know, just in your head. But, um, you know, just all these different experiences that um, it's just it was such a rich, um, like, time, you know. like to, And, you know, you guys will experience it, too, as you get older and have careers in this. You know, just these unusual events, these sometimes, you know, kind of nerve-wracking events or frightening events and these events that are exhilarating. You know, it's the whole kind of, um, 
you know, continuum of experiences, the whole tapestry of experiences. But that's what the career affords you. And, you know, it's not necessarily riches, you know. <laughs> but, you know, being rich doesn't always mean having a lot of money. So um, Rich in experiences. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've said. Well, I mean, you know, the money was, was okay. It's not like, you know, you got, you got yeah. enough money to live for sure. And, yeah. and overtime was good, you know. But uh, <laughs> if you get yeah, a little get more. get a lot of that overtime. Yeah. It's like, don't yeah. worry. You can get overtime. Yeah, you get a little more of that. But, um, but it's been, you know, uh, enough to, like, put food on the table, raise a family, have a home and stuff like that, and just have these crazy experiences, you know. And um, it's just really fun. What's that? I said, which are priceless. Yeah, so now it's really fun to watch (laughs) you guys having these experiences. So I don't think, none of you are in my audio-video journalism class, I don't think. No. Abby, you are. Oh. I can't remember (laughs) who's in there. I forgot about you. Yes, I am. So you're starting to have those when we go out and do stuff, you know, just these (laughs) weird experiences. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> she says with a no more comment. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that's kind of the, that's one of the reasons we do, we have classes where you have to go out and do stuff. So you kind of get prepared for just, I mean, it's an infinite amount of things that can happen. Yeah. There. That is something that we learn every week. Something yeah. new. Yeah. And there's no way you can teach a lot of it in class that you have to really experience it. True. True. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty common with the journalism program as like a whole is, like, it's all very good about putting us out there and out of our comfort zone so we can experience an array of situations mm-hmm. and learn how to react to them. Yeah, that's true because there's no way there's, as Abby knows from the class, there's like an infinite number of things that could happen. And um, well, no, I think half have happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Already. Half of the infinite yeah. number. <laughs> yes. Half of infinite, which is infinite. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and, but, but he's right. I mean, that's why, we, um, that's why we do that. So, you know, there's a lot more to journalism just like where commas go. I mean, you have to learn how to react, have to be it's, – it's I think it's a tough profession. You have to be, like, very resourceful, very quick on your feet as far as thinking – um, very quick to react, uh, and if you know if you're if you're doing journalism that's in the best interest of the story, then you've got to say like, okay, this is not going well. What do I do? How do I, you know, you can't like, especially if you're on deadline and someone's expecting content from you, like, you know, any any media entity, you can't just throw up your hands and say, ah, it's just I'm not going to finish it. I'm going to give up. You can't. You have to produce the content. So in TV, for instance, you know, my story airs at a certain time. I can't be just like, nah, you know, that's not happening mm-hmm. today. You know, in, in all the times I was in TV news, how many times did, like, um, stories kind of just die on the vine? Very rarely, you know. I don't know, once a year maybe? Not not often. They People turned them when they had to turn them. Some were a little late on deadline. But they all eventually got turned, you know, even if they were a couple minutes late. But you can't just be like, ah, eh, this isn't happening, you know. And so um, there's a lot of pressure, you know. It's a lot of pressure. But, you know, that's the thing is if you start experiencing when you're in college, that's the whole point is to you kind of build up your, you know, you build up your kind of skill set on how to respond to these things. Pa- Abby, what was, your, what was your package on this last one? The birders. Oh, the, that's right. We had a big <laughs> discussion about the birders, yeah. So can I talk about it a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> He's going to be like, worst package I've no, ever seen. No, 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 no. <laughs> so um, for, those, for those of you who aren't in the class, so um, Abby did a story about this bird watching group that's going around campus, 
and you know, watching birds and stuff. It was a really cool story. Um, I didn't even really know there was such a thing to the degree that uh, Abby presented it in the story. So in class, uh, you so, you so, is it okay if I tell this story? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay, so, I'm <laughs> so in class, we, we, I always give the students a chance to talk about the conditions surrounding the project so we can talk about these things we had just discussed. And Abby goes, those bird watchers were walking so fast I could barely keep up with them. Like they were like taking off and she goes, I was trying to get video and I just did not anticipate how fast they were going from place to place. It wasn't even walking fast. It was was actually running. (laughs) I wish I had a video because they're (laughs) like, because it was like a competition for who, which team could get, could find the most birds first. They're literally running around. Running. Yeah. Which is wild because it's Abby's, Abby sprints. (laughs) When she walks, like yeah. her walk, oh, her walk is, is a sprint. So maybe it was a walk for you and a sprint for everyone else. But it's a walk that you have to run ahead, set your camera up, yep. press record, yep. line up the shot. And by then it's like they're, they're way gone. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we talked about that in class. So the thing is, is like, you know, if Abby says I'm going to do a story about bird watchers, the first thing that comes into my mind is not hey, Abby, make sure you get a good pair of running shoes because you're going to need to like, take <laughs> off at a sprint to get this done. You know, It's just something that you wouldn't think about. I, at least I wouldn't. And so you know, in class, there's no way to be every semester, okay, folks, so for any of you doing a bird watching story, make sure you like work out a little bit before the story. You know, Maybe Stretch. run a couple 5Ks. Train, yes, train right? for a marathon. Strain for a marathon. Eat your protein bars. You know, it, and so the only way that comes up in class is when Abby says, oh, this is what happened to me. And then we have a discussion about, okay, what, how could we shoot that? Like, how can we kind of maximize our, um, how can we maximize our, you know, journalistic instincts and our preparation? And, and you say, well, we can't prepare for that. We didn't know it. So then how do we respond? So Abby, did, you know, she got ahead of them and she got a couple shots that would, <laughs> you know, be... <laughs> She, Not th- good for television. <laughs> <laughs> and she got some faces in there. That, that proves that she was in front of them. It wasn't all back of headshots. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, um, that uh, when, I took, when I took classes in college, I do remember thinking, like, I'm just, even my comm classes, I was a mass comm major, I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with this information. So I've always been, that's been a, bit, a big pet peeve of mine when anybody says, Thursday, we're moving chairs in your building. Okay, and does that mean I won't have a chair Thursday? Am I supposed to move my chair? If so, where it's just like information that's given out with no context about what directive I have to, you know, follow. Like no instruction about how this applies to me. It's just like a blanket statement. So I I found that in college a lot of times I'd be like do this and I'm and I'm like I don't know why this how this is going to apply to me. When I leave here, you know, I want to make sure that I'm kind of like one of the better people when I'm trying to get jobs. And so I try to, you know, and you guys can be the judges of this. I try to do that in all my classes. Like say, here's why you're learning this. Like here's what we're trying to do, you know. And, you know, to your credit, I've said this before. I'll say it on the record. I'd put our students up against any students in any university because you guys are, you know, we don't have anybody who's not engaged in the program. Except for maybe Abby's AVJ package. No, no, that was, <laughs> no, it was really good. You know, and you you could have you could have said, oh, I just this isn't happening. I can't do this. They're go, you know, they, there's no way to set up. But you did. You got it done. You know, and it was really interesting. And I, n- I never 
really knew that there was such a group. So that's the news biz, you know. You conveyed some news. You overcame those challenges. <laughs> you did. Thank you. You're welcome. It means a lot. <laughs> Next time, that. though, Abby, we got to do it. Somebody's got to do a package on you doing the package. Oh, so that, okay. <laughs> that'll that'll Honestly, be when I take the class. Yeah. <laughs> Some students on campus sprint when they walk. Yeah. Here's Abby Moon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the gathering of the news is almost more interesting than the news itself. Truly. Someone needs Truly. to write a news story on news. Yeah, write a news story on the news. <laughs> Let's get on it right now. Yeah. Start typing. There's a lot of stuff, you know, that goes on in the production of it, I found when I was doing it, that's, like, quite entertaining, you know. That's why blogs were cool because when that was like mm -hmm. blogs start coming out kind of toward the tail end of my career. But we, we would like say like we could do a blog on like not just here's the story but then have a, like a companion piece like how we got the story. You know, and mm -hmm. sometimes that's just as amazing as the story. If not more. If not more. <laughs> um, okay, well, thanks for answering some of our questions today, Chris. You're welcome. Like we've done the last few episodes, I wanted to talk about a few incident reports from last week's UPD press release. So here are a few of the incidents we wrote about. A student requested a welfare check on their roommate on September 27th after they didn't return from their to their dorm two hours after their class was over. The roommate returned home before the police units could respond. The roommate was at a club meeting. So I think this is crazy because... Yeah. Can you imagine coming home and being like, oh, my gosh, where is my roommate? It's like the middle of the day. I'm calling UPD. And then they just yeah. come home. And, like, why couldn't they just message them? Yeah. Maybe they weren't responding, but still. Yeah. I, I feel like we had – sorry. What? I thought I cut someone off. No. Um, okay. I feel like we had another um, report that I don't think we're going to, like – deliberately discuss but it was one where like the guy or I don't know if it was a guy but someone was texting someone else and they were like in the lab and they couldn't talk and they called UPD to like search their car and I have no idea what you're talking about neither do I oh my gosh okay let me find it because didn't wasn't there a similar one to this in one of the past UPDs though UPD beats yeah. though Something similar to this, where someone was just not answering their phone, so they called a welfare check. Um, on September 28th, a complaint was made to UPD about an individual wearing camouflage and a gas mask walking from, walking from Merwin Hall to the library. <clears throat> police responded to the incident and found that the subject was playing a game of manhunt. The police informed the players about university rules. The players finished their game and left the area. The fact that they finished their game, like, <laughs> I don't I don't understand Well, that. what, is Manhunt just hide-and-seek, but, like, in camo? Um, I, I don't think know. so. Why were they wearing a gas mask? I, I would have cried if I saw someone <laughs> in a gas mask walking <laughs> in a class. I also would have cried. I remember being a kid and, like, playing Manhunt. What is it? But I, I don't remember, like, like the rules of the game or, like, the premise of the game. Like, it is. It's like adult hide-and-seek basically what what makes it a hunt other because than like hunting. a seek you're hunting yeah, for someone you're well not like literally hunting i hope but it's like i feel like you have like a couple people who are like i don't like kind of like cops and robbers i guess Do they're you guys all ever? just they're all just variations of hide and sleep hide and seek <laughs> slash tag yeah 
Okay, terrifying though. Yeah, I would have immediately called nine one one. Yeah, I'm also mask. Um, on mm. September 29th, a complaint was made to UPD about individuals tabling for pro-choice on campus. The unit advised the caller that it was their First Amendment right to talk about the subject. UPD advised the caller that she could go to campus reservations if she had any other concerns. This is crazy. This also, is wild. I don't, I don't know why this person just couldn't have, like, walked past it. And the fact that they called UPD about it, too. Well, I also know... Because I like read over the police report once mm-hmm. you or the press press release once you sent it sent it to me, Tori, and I saw in there too that it said that like UPD had to like reassure that there was no like threat to campus over this. To who had to reassure who? Probably the person the who made the complaint. Yeah, that's so strange. Do you know how many tablers we have here every day? Too that many are just. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. Eagle oh Media goodness. is tabling in 30 minutes. Yay! Cribs, do you have any comments on this one? We went over our first minute. Oh yeah. This morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's you know, there's allowances made for people to express themselves, and um, you know, sometimes people will engage if they um, disagree with the stance, which is also allowed. You know, but the other choice is to just you know walk by, you know, and just ignore it. True. Right. There's no law that says you have to engage. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a little strange. They call the police. Okay. All right. So we've really been pushing out the sports content lately. Like, a lot. A lot of sports content. So I wanted to talk about a few of the sports stories that I have personally written recently. Um, which are both a little bit unique. It's not your typical sports story. But the first one is about... Um, one of the D2 club hockey players, his name is Kyle Lindholm, um, and last spring he had some health issues and he ended up getting pulled out for the season because he had a brain tumor and he ended up getting it removed. He had surgery, but he was out for the whole end of the spring season last year and all over the summer, but he is back now. He has made a full recovery almost. He still doesn't know what it is or what it was, but which I think is crazy. but um, That's kind of scary. Yeah, I think so. But he is the nicest person I think I've ever met. He's so sweet. He went to, oh, I'm not going to remember the exact dates, but it's something like he had brain surgery on a Thursday. The next Tuesday he was at practice. Mm. Wow. Obviously he couldn't play, but he went to every single practice. Mm. They went to Boston for their finals last year, and he went with them just to watch, and now he's back. And it's very exciting. Did you, did you, was that, and that was an Eagle Media? Mm-hmm. Was that yep. for one of the classes too? Nope. Because I, I did read that story somewhere. Yeah, there where. were two. Because over the summer we, I did kind of like a profile. Mm-hmm. And then recently I put out another one that he's back now. Oh, that's good Like before up. their opening game. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love follow-ups on that because you read the original story and you go, well, what happened? Like, yeah. How did it end up? And then it's nice to read the, you know, kind of the result. It was fun for me, too, because he's really nice. Yeah. So I got to That's talk to him again. That's a lot of inner again. strength to do yeah, what he did. for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I also covered the eSports teams for our September issue, um, which was interesting. I actually covered our eSports teams for BG as well. But I've always found this to be kind of a unique thing, the eSports on campus. And they have so many different games, so they have so many different players involved in it. 
But I think that it's really downplayed what these players do, honestly, because everyone just thinks, oh, it's just video games. Like, mm-hmm. they're just boys. They just want to play video games. Um, but it's actually kind of intense sometimes because last year their Call of Duty team made it to, like, the national finals. Mm. And they were telling me about how they were playing in their dorms or wherever they were for over 13 hours straight. That's insane. Mm -hmm. That is wild. That is taxing. And I don't think people really realize. They're poor eyeballs. I know. And how how good they must be to get there. Because I'm a fan of video games. Mm -hmm. I have been ever since the days of Pong. (laughs) Which if you guys aren't familiar with, I'll be happy to show you sometimes. (laughs) Two paddles and like a square ball. It goes (laughs) funk. Square ball. It's a, it's, a, it's supposed to be a ball, but it's square because they couldn't really do round back in the day. <laughs> oh my okay. gosh. And, it's a, and it's bonk from one pal to the other. So I've been video gaming my whole life. And the interesting thing I found out about this, the esports stories are in the old days, you couldn't play against other people. You could play against bots, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, NPCs. But you couldn't play against other people. So there was you, you could be good at a game, and maybe your friends would play, and they wouldn't be as good because they didn't have the game. You had the game, so you played it all the time. So, like, I played video golf. So I was really good, but I didn't play other people. I played the computer, you know, the AIs. Mm -hmm. And then my friends would come over while I beat them because they didn't play that game all the time. When the Internet came around, and you can now play multiplayer games with other actual people, you really get a sense of, am I good or not? And so when you see, like, the pros at some of these games, you realize, wow, they are amazingly good at these games. Yeah. For a casual player, you know, you're like, I'm pretty good at this game. And then you see, like, the pros play, and you're like, wow. And the thing is, you can relate to it. So, for example, like, say um, like say professional football. I'll never know kind of – I know they're really good. And I think if I got tackled by an NFL guy, I would vaporize. It wouldn't be like <laughs> I just got hurt. I would just poof, I'd be gone. Mm-hmm. But I can't relate to that because I've never tried to play at that level. You know, I can't. You know, I wouldn't be able to, obviously, but I can't play it all. Whereas with these esports games, I've played those games, so I know what it takes to be good at them. And then when you see the people who are really good, it really gives you a sense for the skill level. Like it gives you an idea for how how far apart the pros are from the casual player, which I'm assuming is true in you know more traditional sports. Mm-hmm. So for one of our teams to make it to nationals, you're competing at like this extremely high level against these extremely skilled players. And so um, I never, and so re, in, the, in Eagle Media, before you guys got here, even you know, was covering esports to some degree, and it's just amazing that um, they've done so well. Like, they, it's really thriving, yeah. you know, on campus. They, they, so they think they would have made it last year, too, because I think they got, I don't remember the exact place, but we were placed, I think, in the top five that's, nationally that's for our Call of Duty. But we were in two tournaments at once because hmm. we were in one tournament and then they scheduled like the national tournaments and that just happened to be the same week and they couldn't get out of the other one. Oh, gotcha. So that's why they were playing for like 13 hours. Yeah. I that's can't. a very high level. I couldn't level. do that. I, no, no. And it takes a lot of focus to play these. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, it, you, you say, well, you're just sitting down playing the game. But like you have to really be focused all the time like you can't have any wandering thoughts because the really good players are just like so dialed in Mm -hmm. so it's it's taxing like it's taxing you know you know i would even say maybe physically taxing to be like for sure just it is the The one i threw up yeah Yeah. that's yeah 
And I read. <laughs> I just. <think laughs> I've read a couple um, research things. I don't remember where about like esports, and like their heart rates are so elevated mm-hmm. that it's like mm-hmm. they have the same heart rate as someone who's you know mm-hmm. sprinting. Like, and the amount of like focus and stuff like that mm-hmm. that you said, Cribs, is just insane because they have to be on their guard. 24-7 when they're playing their game, yeah. especially with, like, Call of Duty and stuff like that because mm-hmm. it's, like, you're, like, fighting for your virtual life. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, you are your head yeah. is constantly, like, you know, on a swivel. So true. Yeah, you have to be really, like, f- especially at that level. Yeah. Like, it's not, you know, really just, Aware. like, I'm going to kind of watch TV in the background and play something, you know. Like, you have to be in, you have to be fully immersed mentally into what's happening Mm -hmm. and like and they do really well i can't imagine what kind of like mental tolls this takes on people yeah because it's like you are playing a game where like people are trying to murder you and that sounds horrifying um and i know it would give me nightmares so like oh me too can't imagine the amount of melatonin these kids are taking and that's what they said too yeah that's a good question you know the emotional toll of it you know Mm -hmm. yeah because you know you know it's you know it's not real as far as like actual physical harm, but you are in that state of, especially at these high levels. Like some of these competitions, there's one for Fortnite in Copenhagen that starts today actually, mm-hmm. and I think oh. it's millions of dollars at stake. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, they had said because like last year when they were in this national tournament and they were going through the playoffs, they said they were playing every single day of the week, yeah, all the time, and they were like. It almost ruined that specific game for them, mm-hmm. and now they can't play that specific game mm-hmm. for fun anymore. They mm-hmm. can play Valorant or whatever the other games are <laughs> for fun with their friends, but Call of Duty now, they're like, I can't yeah. even play it for fun anymore. It's too competitive now. Yeah, my, and it might, it might feel too much like work then. It's not like yeah. a leisurely activity anymore because there were such, such high stakes. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember my mom when I had when I had video games when I was like sixteen or eighteen I think the, the first like next like sixteen bit or eight bit and then sixteen bit came out. My mom was like, "Judd, get off those games. You're not going to make <laughs> a living playing video games. You need to do something that you can make a living." I'm like, well, <laughs> well who jokes, knew? <laughs> yeah, fast forward forty years and you sure can make money. You know, the streamers you know do pretty well. I think. Yeah, they do. And, it, and you know, and and say what you will, it's excellence at something. Yeah, no, sure. for yeah. sure. You you know everybody. You know you're you're excellent at something. Mm-hmm. You're, be, you're better than everybody else. And there's you know there's always um, it's always impressive. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, next topic, just like to touch on it a little bit. Um, I've been talking about starting up an Eagle Media newsletter since last semester, and it's finally here. So you can subscribe on our website at eaglenews.org. So that's really exciting. It comes out every. Friday in the morning. It is super exciting. Yeah. So it's just our top stories, um, videos for ENTV, um, podcast of the week, and two photos from our photos of the week. Krebs, are you subscribing right now? I'm, I'm reminding myself. <laughs> <laughs> so but if I lose my phone and I lose my, like, uh, Google Calendar, I'm just literally wandering the wilder- wilderness. Someone Same. will have to bring me food and water because I, wa- <laughs> I won't know what to do. Literally. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm making a reminder to do that because that sounds like a good idea. It's so cute. I love Thanks. it. It's called the Weekly Eagle. 
Um, so Abby and Addie, do you guys want to talk a little bit about how the October issue of Eagle News is coming along? I know our deadline is fastly approaching. Um, by the time this episode comes out, it will be sent to the printer. Well, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> no, yeah. it's, I feel like it always kind of sneaks up on us a little bit. Yeah. We were talking about this last um, night. We it's were. Like, no matter how far in advance I... Pick the stories that will go in it. Pick the order. Edit what we have. Plan the photos, which I feel like I relatively did in a timely manner this month. We still only have half of our stories in. Yeah, but I feel like we always make it. Like, oh, yes, sure. yes, I'm, I'm stressed to the nines right now, but I also have so much faith in our team and have zero yeah. doubts that we can get it done. And it's like... This chaos and stress is temporary. Is it? And it is it well, because then it's in temporary. three weeks we'll have another one. <laughs> well, yeah, but like we get a nice little break. I feel like I'm stressed all the time. Me I too. Mean, yeah, I am as well. well but I do am. you feel a sense of exhilaration though once you pull it off? Yeah, it's like relief. Yes, some, but it's like one thing after the other. Yeah, honestly. sometimes that makes it worse because you're like, finally, I'm done with that. And, and then, then you're like, okay, else, well, yeah. now I'm behind in four other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thing. So the deadlines seem way out there and then they su- suddenly rush at you yes. all, all yeah. at the same time. Yeah. I The way I imagine it in my brain is like I'm on a football field <laughs> and I am at, you know, you know, the end zone, right? And then... I see this massive football player like running at me, <laughs> and at and, first and he's so f- and he starts at the end z- the other end zone. So at first he's really far away. Yeah, and, and then and before tiny. I know it, I am on the ground tackled. <laughs> yeah, and then I get up, and then another one is coming at me yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Like if that's it was like a waves. simulator, yeah, that's a good analogy. That that is that is a challenge I think for a lot of journals. I had friends who worked like they use deadline to motivate them, so. If the deadline was way out there, they they like almost couldn't do anything until it that is me. I got feel that way. up to them, and they were like, "Okay, this is now. I must do it." But then they were always working right up to deadline. But it didn't matter how far <laughs> out the deadline was. So if it was mm-hmm. like ten minutes or like ten years, they waited <laughs> until it was right up on top of them because that's what they used to get stuff done. I feel like I need fake deadlines. Same. Someone needs to lie to me. Same. So that but I get then, this stuff done early. But then, Addie, wouldn't you be like, "Is so okay, Addie, this, is do, <laughs> this is due by 10 o'clock. And you'd be like, is that a lie? I bet it's not but due by I 10 wouldn't, o'clock. But I wouldn't want to test it. You wouldn't test it? Okay. No. You want to call my Once bluff. I found out once, <laughs> then I'd keep testing it. Yeah. <laughs> once I found out, oh, he's lying, never again would I turn anything in on time. Because yeah. <laughs> you'd, be, be, like, well, you'd be thinking, he's lying. yeah, this is a f- not real. No, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be too anxious <laughs> that it would be real. That's and then I And then I'd be like, I don't know, like gaslight myself or something. <laughs> so then you guys can't talk to each other because you'll be like, well, I thought that deadline was noon. And then Addie'd be like, I thought it was 10. <laughs> no, I think, I think Tori just needs to give both Abby and I the same deadline, but it's really like three weeks out. Oh my gosh. So we like, you know, That's get everything funny. done so early. We get it all done in time. We do. Yeah. It all works out. It's just, um, it's just getting that, there. It's just that I stress everyone around me <laughs> while I'm getting it done last minute. That's, Specifically, that's, Tori. I think, <laughs> I, I think that's pretty common, you know, because I've worked with so many journalists, and, and there have been the whole range, you know, where people will be done 
like an hour before their story airs and they're getting coffee and they're socializing and people like literally a minute before they're editing and an edit bag trying to attach the piece to the server. But, you know, that being said, I don't know. And, and, and you get all like, I'm one of those. We're laughing because right. this podcast itself, <laughs> it goes up at noon on Mondays and I'm usually done editing it around 12.01 on Mondays. <laughs> that's like right after yeah. we send <laughs> print the print to, in. To print. Then, then it's like, that, yeah. So, but, you know, that being said, I'd say in the, you know, when I was actually doing journalism for, for however many years, 20 years or whatever, very few people missed. Very few journalists missed deadline. That was really, really rare. Mm -hmm. So whatever they were doing was working, you know. And so some people might need that kind of, you know, environmental condition of, like, the deadlines coming up to be at their best. That's just what they did, you know. The, the, the interesting thing is, like, can everybody commingle you know? <laughs> <laughs> and get along with all the different deadlines and all the different styles, you know. Mm. Co-mingle pretty well. Yeah. yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Sometimes We're having a I chat can't, after this. I can't get anything done, though, when I'm with you because it, you just, like, your I stress you out. I think that's like so funny. a of stress. When Abby and I work together, I feel like we just, like, feed off of each other's stress and mm. just become fueled by no, it. No, because she distracts me. So then I'm like, oh, I need to do this or I need to do this. Like, I can't work on my homework. That's why I got caught up last night. It's because... All week, I was doing Eagle Media stuff, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have so much homework to do tonight. Um, you guys do take on a lot. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I know as from a teacher's perspective, you guys have a lot going on. <laughs> Thank you I don't know support. how I can help at all, but Thank you for your support, Chris. I'm just saying I noticed it. Um, I just wanted to talk about one thing, um, like something that we deal with as student journalists every day. So whether it be from our professors, the comments on our Instagram and website, or our higher-ups in Eagle Media, we're constantly dealing with criticism. <gasps> so how do we not take it personally and use it to our benefit? I feel like this is something we face every day, honestly. Mm -hmm. That's a good Are question. you the Eagle Media higher-up that we're facing <laughs> criticism from? <laughs> well, I guess. <gasps> I feel like you develop a really thick skin very quick. Or at least I did. Yeah. But it's like... I think this is an age-old, like, dilemma. This has been going on for, as far as I can remember, and I'm sure obviously before me, that, you know, as creative people, journalists look at their work as an extension of themselves. I think mm -hmm. that's fairly common. And so when it's criticized or critiqued, it's you, the person, being critiqued since the work is an extension of you. So it is hard. I mean, I feel the same way. I've been through it too, where you say like, you know, what you take it, you you feel like it's you being criticized, not the thing you produced. So one thing, the one thing that helped me get through this is, if you are at a place where you're doing journalism and you're continually doing journalism, that you obviously have an inherent skill set that's a quality skill set, mm -hmm. because otherwise you would not be doing it. You you wouldn't be productive. So if you get a job doing it or you're working Eagle Media and you're doing it, uh, doing journalism, you obviously have a ability to do it. So then it's like, well, how can we get better at it? So I'll, I use like like a golfer, for example. A pro, pro golfer shoots like a 68 on a course. He's analyzing, how could I have shot 67 or 66? Mm. He's he, There's no question that they're good. But, mm -hmm. but the you know, his 
coach might say, well, on this hole, you were kind of moving your club a little bit, and that's why you missed the green. So it's, it's, it's starting from a base of you know, high proficiency and then trying to get higher. And so that's how I always approached it, like that you know, just because my work's good and critiqued doesn't mean I'm not good at it. It means they're just trying to you – know, we're talking about ways to make it better. So I started being able to critique myself. And then, and then, and like, and if you guys ever want, I, I think I've said in ABJ that uh, Abby's in, I've done 3,000 news packages in my life, 2,996, there was something wrong with them, and then four, <laughs> were, four, four were perfect. Yeah. So, you know, would, you, would anybody else see that? I don't know. But like, when you start self critiquing, people aren't going to usually tell you stuff that you don't already know. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I critique, like, if I critique the ABJ pieces or the news pieces, most of you guys, to your credit, will be like, oh, yeah, I, I knew I did that. But it was just in, in the moment I wasn't, you know, like really aware. And so it's like, well, okay, then that's just something we, you know, we work on. And you're just trying to like take – you're trying to take something that's already pretty good and see like how good can I make it. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, I never I never felt – and same with teaching. I never felt like I'm 100% perfect at mm-hmm. any of these things. But that's what keeps me wanting to come back, keeps me wanting to teach classes, what keeps me wanting to do stuff because I'm, I'm striving for it. And it's kind of fun. It's like the journey is part of the fun, you know. And so when people give critiques, they should give it in that vein. I have found that people give critiques that are kind of like, like offensive almost, you know. Not here, not around here, by the way. These other places. Never. No, I haven't, I haven't encountered it around here. But I, and, and, and so, <laughs> you know, I can see how that would be like really deflating, you know. So a lot of it is, you know, sometimes, or I should say, sometimes it's on the person giving the critique, but then all the time it's on how you respond to it, whether it's offered in like a very friendly way or kind of a caustic way. It's still a you thing that you have to kind of like be like, how will I handle that? And not get deflated, not, you know, kind of like get down in the dumps about, but like, okay, I'm going to see if I can use it. What's the constructive thing I can take from it? I think, because in here it also says getting criticism from, like, our comments on our Instagram or on our website. I think those are worse than what we get in class sometimes. Oh, I agree. Oh, I think when I see those, I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. I've just kind of, like, learned to laugh at them. I ignore. I just, I don't even Mm -hmm. look at them. The comments? Yeah. I do, because I'm always kind of like, you don't even know. Like, there there was a comment on one of our Instagram posts that we posted of a story, and... I don't know. It was just like, why did you even write this? There's like nothing, mm-hmm. da da da. Well, you read it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you clicked on this article to see what it was written about because you cared about what the headline said. So I don't know. I just think people who are commenting are not journalists. So they don't even know most of the time, well, I feel y- like. I agree. Y- you know, the thing about like uh, anonymous comments that always just kind of like rub me the wrong way is in journalism, we say like consider the source. Some people are you know, valid sources who have mm-hmm. things to say that are legitimate, valid things to say. And that's why we consider who is talking to us. So when we interview people about anything, we interview people who are knowledgeable. You know, mm-hmm. we, we make sure the sources are legit. So the thing with, like, anonymous comments like that, you have no idea if these people are coming from a place of trying to help, mm-hmm. trying to ma- say something constructive, just trolling for the fun of trolling. Yeah, that one was not even anonymous. Oh, really? No, it was just yeah. like a student. Yeah, even on, on our Instagram. website, we can see who posted Oh, that's interesting. Too. Yeah. But it's like, 
adults. Do do you sometimes? I think a lot of times it's like parents. Yes. Oh, that's that's interesting. (laughs) Do you have to? Is one of the conditions of posting you have to like be identified? I think you just have to have your email. Because we've had yeah. people comment and mm. it says anonymous commenter, but that's it'll still true. have their email. Oh, address. that's interesting. But so. we do approve all the comments on our website. Mm-hmm. So, so anyone can see them. Yeah, honestly, mm. like for Good me with criticism in high school, I really couldn't take constructive criticism because it wasn't really anything I had ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. And my journalism teacher um, that I had for all four years, she was very tough. So it was like a really it was a big, like, eye-opener for me um, getting, like, my first story back. And, like, there was just red pen all over it. <laughs> the and, dreaded red pen. And I was honestly crushed, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not mm-hmm. take it very well. But after that, like, after, like, I wrote my next story and it was so much better. And, like, so I use so now I just use criticism to make myself better. Like, I'm not going to get all upset about it for no reason because I know that the criticism, like, especially from professors, is to help me get better. You know, if like if you don't take criticism, like constructive criticism from other people and even people in Eagle Media, like if someone's going to tell me something about my story that I should take out or I need another source, like I'm going to listen because I want to get better. I want to make myself better. Yeah. And it, it helps too, Tori, to have like distance too. God. So I think sometimes the initial reaction, like the gut reaction, the emotional reaction is like, uh, you know, this is so, this is so horrible. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes when you put space, you go, oh, okay, I see what was happening. I had a, I had a producer when I first started in TV, I'd never done TV news and I had a producer who was kind of like that. Like the feedback was, you know, kind of harsh and kind of jerky. Like he was kind of like a jerk to mm-hmm. me, I thought. And you know, just was like, what'd you do that for? That That's too long. That's like, why would you do that? That makes no sense. And I'm like, I just was trying, yeah, but you're talking about, you know, it's like that kind of exchange. And so I dreaded, I dreaded like interacting with him. And I had to because he had to approve my packages. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, how long did you interview that guy for? And I'm like, 20 minutes. He goes, 20 minutes? What are you wasting all that time for? And I'm like, uh, I shouldn't be interviewing for someone 20? No, like three minutes. Like, what? So, so <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, it was like, it just filled me with this sense of dread. And, um, you know, it was hard not to take that person because I'm like, why, you know, why mm-hmm. you got to be so mean about it, you know? Yeah. But then, but to be honest, like, I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. Like, I learned yeah. a lot about it. Now, had, had, would I have had learned the same amount had he been nice and still said this, the same things? Yes, I would have. And I wouldn't be talking about him being a jerk. I would be like, this really cool guy taught me a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but I have to say, like, you know, taking the personal part out of it, the jerkiness out of it, and looking at just what occurred, I did learn a lot from him. And and, and this was very early on when I first started doing TV, and he set me up for success from then on because I learned a lot right at the beginning. And who knows? I mean, maybe if he wasn't a jerk toward me, I would have, like, not taken it. You know, I wouldn't have been, like, as honed in on trying to do what he was suggesting. I don't know. You know, I just know he was, and I'm not, I wasn't crazy about that. I don't really have, like, super fond memories of that, uh, you know, and this is, you know, a long time ago. So you can see how stuff sticks with you. But, like, as far as making me better, he did do that, and I am grateful for that, and I respect that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of it is the personality. I, I don't know that there's a journalist out there that hasn't faced criticism that was, like, hard to swallow. Yeah, mm-hmm. very you know? true. Yeah. It's like there's four of us in here. All four of us would say we did. If we brought four more, there'd be eight of us saying that, you know. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> That's it. It's unanimous. Oh. As usual, 
Follow Eagle News on Instagram at Eagle News and follow Inside Eagle News on Instagram at Inside Eagle News to stay up to date with the latest campus news. That's all we have for today. Make sure to tune in on Monday, October 30th for our next show to hear about what's been going on inside Eagle News. This is Tori Foltz. This is Abby Muth. And this is Addie McCullough. And this has been Inside Eagle News.